Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with all of you. If you're just joining us this morning, we are in the second week of a sermon series that is focused on what it means to follow God. Before I get started, let us pray. Dearest Father God, we come before you in your holiness. Dearest Father God, we ask for you to open our hearts, our minds, and our souls to what we need to learn today and to be with us as we are called to serve you and to be with us on the transformational journey. Amen. If you think about it, all of us are to follow God up to a point. We all come to church because we're supposed to. We try to be good people even though we don't always feel like it. We try to listen for what God has for us. But we all have our limits as to how much we listen to God, believe in God, and follow God. The prophet Jonah was a person like this, a person who did not always listen to God. In fact, he ran in the opposite direction of God. And so this morning, we're going to take a closer look at the person of Jonah and God's call on his life, as we also take a closer look at God's call on our lives as well. I wish I could say that my relationship with God has always been filled with lightness and brightness, but I can't. My journey with Jesus has been filled with peaks and valleys, sunshine and depressing darkness. There have been times when I have eagerly moved forward and times when I have been pushed along kicking and screaming. But God's grace has nourished me even when I didn't want to grow. If I've learned anything on this journey, it is this. Even when we run from God, God does not give up on us. Even when we are our most unlovable, God is acting to transform us into the people he has created us to be. And in the process of transformation, God calls us to do uncomfortable, unfamiliar things in service of his kingdom. The story of Jonah is one such story of transformation about one man in particular who is struggling with God's call on his life. Jonah was who he was because he was the son of Amittai. Jonah was who he was because he came from Gathepher. And it was because of who Jonah was that God called him to go to Je Nineveh. Each of us is also the product of a specific set of circumstances. Our calls like Jonah do not come as bolts out of the blue. Instead, our calls from God are caught up in the intricate details of our lives. What is even more important is that in answering our call, we become more fully who God has created us to be. And so in our story of Jonah, we read once again, the word of the Lord came to Jonah of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh. There could hardly have been a more unwelcome summons. To Jews like Jonah, Nineveh was notorious. People there worshiped other gods. People there 
were known for their violence and their complete disregard of human life. Jonah was called to enter this strange and hostile city, a city that God hated, and preach against it. On top of this, Jonah is not given any time to prepare. Jonah is called to go and to go now. At times like this, this is how God's call comes to us, full of urgency, demanding our immediate attention. And how might we respond? We hope with, here I am, Lord, like Samuel did in the temple, or like Isaiah did at his vision, or Mary when she responded to the news that she was going to bear a son. But how do we, in fact, respond? Sometimes by dragging our feet and demanding more information. Sometimes we convince ourselves that the call is impossible. We must be mistaken. Remember Moses who denied having the necessary eloquence or Jeremiah who said he's just too young. If the call seems impossible, it's so much easier to deny even hearing it, that we must be mistaken. But Jonah does none of these things. This call is so clear that there is no doubt that Jonah should travel to Nineveh and deliver the message. Jonah has no easy way out. And so caught between God's commands and his own willfulness, Jonah does the only thing that he knows to do. Jonah runs from God. Jonah runs from God and heads towards Tarshish. On the way, he stops in Joppa. Joppa is a thriving city, the gateway to many places and many adventures. Besides being in the opposite direction of Nineveh, it would have been a wonderful place to get lost. In the midst of the busyness of Joppa, Jonah could hide. In our culture, busyness is perhaps one of the best ways for us to hide. God's voice, after all, is usually fairly quiet. It takes very little to cover it up. By being rarely alone, rarely quiet enough to hear God's still, small voice, we deliberately avoid listening to God's call. And unable to hear God's commands, we embrace the louder demands on our lives. And so we find ourselves on the way to Joppa, a familiar destination, for it's there we're caught up in the reliable, the safe, the hustle and bustle, and the self-importance of our lives. In Joppa, we can drown out God's voice. In Joppa, we can ignore the command to go to Nineveh. However, even these attempts to avoid the call may not be enough to shut out the still, small voice of God. With televisions blaring, children shouting, and cars honking, there will come those moments in our lives when all falls silent. Silent enough even for the voice of God to be heard. Even Joppa was not sufficiently noisy enough for Jonah to drown out his call. So while in Joppa, he just happens to find a boat going to where he wanted to go, to Tarshish. What are the chances? Isn't that a coincidence? It's a long way from Joppa to Tarshish. 
It's not likely they had a boat leaving every day or every week or even every month. Think about that for a moment. When we decide to run from God, there's always a boat going to where we want to go. When we decide to run from God, Satan is always ready to provide the transportation. What is even more amazing is that in sailing for Tarshish, Jonah was willing to leave everything he held dear, his home, his family, his friends, his people, his God. He was willing to do anything to avoid his call. Any place was better than Nineveh. For us, Nineveh is what pulls us out of our comfort zone. Nineveh is the place that God calls you, but you don't want to go. We each carry with us a Nineveh, a place in our hearts that we fear, that we reject, and that seems dangerous and scary to us. Perhaps God is calling you to mend a broken relationship from your past. Perhaps God is calling you to a new job in another state or another country. Perhaps God is calling you to a whole new life in Christ. Convinced that he has finally escaped his fate and exhausted from running from God, Jonah goes down below the ship to take a nap. Seems to Jonah that all is well. He's on his way to Tarshish. He's outrun God. He can finally relax, or so he thinks. But Jonah has a lesson to learn. It's not possible to outrun God because God is everywhere. Fleeing to Tarshish, running from God, puts both his life and the life of the crew in danger. A terrifying storm arises, and despite all the crew's work, they are steadily losing their battle with the sea. In a frantic attempt to stay afloat, they start throwing the cargo off board, but it's no use. Everyone cries out to their own God, hoping that one of them will be heard and the ship will be saved. Except Jonah. He sleeps through it all. It's not until the captain notices his absence and goes to look for him that Jonah is confronted with the consequences of his actions, that he is directly responsible for this epic disaster that is about to engulf the ship and the crew. The captain cries out, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Calling on God, praying to God was the last thing that Jonah wanted to do. We can all come up with a lot of reasons why we don't want to pray. I suspect that the most basic is we're often afraid of what we will hear. We'll be afraid, afraid of what we'll be asked to do. Afraid of losing control, following God's call after all is terrifying. So the storm continues to rage. Nothing the crew does makes any difference. They lighten their load, they pray to their God, they lose their skills. Seems only a matter of time before the ship breaks up and the crew is tossed out to sea to die. Times of crisis, we humans like to assign blame. We like to find a scapegoat. So the crew pauses their frenetic activity to 
draw lots to figure out who is the cause of this disaster, whose sin has caused this horrible situation. Jonah would have been aware of his own sin. He knows he's done everything in his power to run from God and to deny God and to be against God, but he won't admit it to the crew. How often do we want to keep our sins concealed? We think we can conceal them from others, except at least for a while. We can try to conceal them from ourselves, trying to come up with some sort of justification for our actions. We even hope we can conceal them from God, just as Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They hid from God after they'd eaten the forbidden fruit. Surely this would have been a great time for Jonah to fess up and open his mouth and tell the others what he had done and that his sin was endangering their lives. But Jonah doesn't do this. He remains stubbornly silent. Maybe someone else's sin would be uncovered. And Jonah could continue to pose as the righteous man that he thought he was to himself, to others, and to God. But instead, Jonah is indeed exposed as the sinner as a man whose sins have so angered God that God causes a major storm to occur. A storm that not only threatens Jonah, but everybody else in his vicinity. What do you do? Where do you come from? The crew asked Jonah. And he feebly responds, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Who is it that we worship when we avoid God's call? Perhaps we worship the God of convenience when we tell God that he is just too late and we've chosen another path. Perhaps we worship the God of status quo when we try to avoid having our lives disrupted in order to follow God. Most likely we are worshiping the God of self-autonomy by deciding which commands we will follow. I worship the Lord, Jonah says but he's really making a run for it, running in the opposite direction to get as far away from God as possible. The reality is, is that God had become a threat to Jonah, a threat to his comfortable way of life, a threat to Jonah's understanding of the way the world worked for him. Following this call would disrupt his life and force him to interact with people that he hated. God had become dangerous to Jonah. Unfortunately, our refusal to follow God's call doesn't just affect us. It can be far-reaching. After all, we're not called simply for our own sake. We are called for the sake of others. Running from our call causes great harm to others, as the sailors can attest. Jonah's refusal to go to Nineveh also affects the people of that city. Without Jonah's voice, they will never hear what's going to happen to them if they continue their destructive behavior. There are also consequences for those who share our journey, who are close to us. For when we deny who we are, we are living a lie. We are not living into who God has called us to be. And that affects everyone 
that we love, family and friends, everyone in our life. After much hesitation, anxiety and prayer, the crew throws Jonah overboard. But God, our great God, in his beautiful and wonderful generosity and great grace, does not give up on Jonah. God does not let Jonah die in spite of all that Jonah has done. Denying God, running from God, living a life of deceit to the crew. No, God provides a giant fish to swallow Jonah. And it is here in the belly of the fish, in the quiet darkness, that Jonah is forced to come to terms with his situation, his life, and his God. The final steps of the transformational process of Jonah have begun. In those three days, Jonah has plenty of opportunity to look at his life and his options. He has plenty of opportunity to let go of his anger and his frustration and even his hope. And all he has left to do is sit in silence in the darkness of the belly of that whale. Such times of silence are filled with great potential. In that silence, Jonah is transformed. No longer is he the reluctant prophet fleeing God. No longer is he the man asleep at the bottom of the boat while the others are trying to save the ship. In that silence, Jonah becomes what he has not been before, a man of prayer. And it isn't a prayer of deliverance that pours from his mouth. In the darkness of the belly of the fish, he sees what he has not been able to see before. His focus turns from himself to God. In the belly of the fish, Jonah is aware of all he'd lost. He had lost his sense of the presence of God. In the belly of the fish, he felt totally separated from God. And he cries out, I have been banished from your sight. As Jonah discovers what we desire doesn't always bring us happiness. None of our desires will fill that hole in our hearts. Without God, nothing matters. And having learned this much, Jonah grieves his loss, a loss that is far greater than the loss of his life or the loss of his freedom. Jonah can now see God at work in his life, and he, he shouts grateful praise. He shouts praises of thanksgiving as he comes to terms with his life and comes through the darkness into a new life. And with this change in Jonah, the fish who has been holding him imprisoned for three days vomits him up onto the dry land. This is a new birth for Jonah. His life ends when he is thrown overboard, but through the love and grace of our God, Jonah is given a new life. The story of Jonah is our story too. 
God is calling us to our Nineveh, however scary and difficult that may be. The following is a story of a young man of courage who instead of running from God, had the courage to say yes to God's call on his life. William Wyman Andrus was born in Miles City, Montana, June 10th, 1927. Miles City is one of those small towns in the middle of nowhere with one country store and a mayor, mayor that worked part-time. At an early age, William became a follower of Jesus, seeking much hope and comfort in God's love and grace. As a teenager, William moved to Missoula, Montana, where he enrolled in high school, and he quickly learned that he was really smart and really good at sports. So he then went to the University of Montana. In his third year of college, while sitting in a physics class, after he had received an A-plus on a physics exam, his professor went to the front of the class and called William up to the front and said this, William, I have written Harvard Medical School on your behalf and they have looked at your academic record and they have decided to give you a full scholarship to Harvard Medical School. Now with this news, William was of course in shock. His parents had never been to college, much less Harvard, and he had never dreamed of being a doctor. But in those coming days, in his quiet time with God, he heard that still, small voice of God in the deep part of his soul, telling him to make the drive, the 2,000-mile drive from Missoula, Montana, to Boston, Massachusetts, and to go to Harvard Medical School and become a cardiologist. This was William's call by God on his life. This was William's Nineveh to leave his home, his family, his friends, everything he knew and held dear, and face an elite competitive world of Harvard Medical School. In doing so, William was willing to face his own insecurities, his complete willfulness, and his own sense of dread, quite frankly. He was willing, though, to not run from God, but to say yes to God and God's call in his life, however terrifying that was. If William had said no to God and God's call in his life, he never would have become a prominent cardiologist in Seattle, Washington. He never would have been there to create the first coronary care unit at a major hospital there. He wouldn't have been able to provide so much medical care for the poor and those who could not afford it. He wouldn't have been, th been there to save my best friend's dad at his first heart attack. He would not have married my mom, and he would not have been my dad. William said yes to God's call in his life, even though he felt scared and terrified and completely unworthy. William passed away December 27, 2014. He would have been 91 years old this year. Friends, each of us has a decision to make. We can either stay where we are and keep God at bay, or we can keep going with our lives with no change, no transformation, kind of doing things on our own agenda, and a rejection of what God has for us. Or we can have the courage to follow God, 
for it's in following God to places like Nineveh and the belly of a whale that seem big and scary to us that we experience the transformational change and that when we are transformed, friends, we become the people God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dearest Father God, we are so grateful for you, this journey, your word, and the story of Jonah. Father, we pray that we can have the courage to follow you throughout our lives and to follow you at whatever call that you give us, no matter how scary and petrified we may be. And all God's children said, amen.